Hello, and welcome to the Evoke Greatness podcast. My name is Sunny, and I have an insatiable hunger for growth and knowledge. I am a huge book nerd and a wee bit of a control enthusiast with an obsession for motivational coffee cups. I have traveled what feels like a thousand journeys from the start of my career as a CNA, slowly making my way through nursing school, to presently being the COO of a national hospice company. I have learned valuable lessons along the way that have forged me into the woman and leader that I am today. And I'm hopeful that others can utilize my lessons and the lessons of my guests to help pave their own way. I am calling my crazy big shot as I build this podcast and a lifestyle brand that will be in service of others. I believe that a rising tide raises all ships, and I invite you along in this journey to evoke greatness. Welcome back to another episode of Evoke Greatness. I am really excited to introduce my guest today. He is a man of faith. He is a husband, a father, a TEDx speaker, a Spartan warrior, a farmer, an entrepreneur, and we'll forgive you for this one, but I understand you're also a Clemson fan. So I want to welcome to the podcast, Justin Batt. Thank you for being here, Justin. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to be here. And yes, I'm a, I'm a graduate of Clemson, so... <laughs> I got to be all in for the Clemson Tigers. Absolutely. Well, I wore this for you. So Uh roll tide. Uh, (laughs) I see you wearing your Clemson gear a lot as I follow you. So uh, I had to give you a little razz for that. All good. You got the best of us last time. uh, You and I have been connected on LinkedIn and uh, I've been able to follow some of the great stuff that you do. But for those who don't follow you or don't know your story, I'd love to know how the idea or the concept around Daddy Saturday came about. Well, I have to really give all credit to my wife because uh, we were newly married and she was a teacher, decided to leave the teaching profession. And I was a, a corporate uh, young young man myself. And so I was pursuing that corporate America track. And um, she decided to start her own business and start a bridal boutique. And we had our first child at the same time. So she went on the entrepreneurship journey. And um, I was at home all day by myself with our newborn baby girl, Hayden Olivia, which we named the store after Hayden Olivia Bridal in Charlotte, North Carolina. And so I found myself with one child. My wife couldn't keep her hands off of me for a couple of years. So we added three more boys to the mix (laughs) and eventually had, you know, four kids at home all day on Saturday. And so I was that, I think, I think typical dad, right? What a lot of dads go through. I was stressed out. I was tired. I was overwhelmed. A lot of times at the end of the week, you're burning the candle at both ends, traveling a lot for work. And I would find myself coming home late on a Friday, just exhausted, knowing I had eight or 10 hours by myself with our kids all day on Saturday and trying to figure out how do I fill that time, make it fun and you know just survive the day. But more than survive, how could we thrive? And that's where I had this uh, vision that God just kind of gave me. And he said, Justin, this time you have is either a blessing or a burden. It's an inconvenience or an assignment. That choice is yours. What are you going to do to make the most of the time with your kids? And so I started becoming really intentional and planning our days together, looking at what I call doing R&D, rip off and deploy ideas from YouTube and other sources. And yeah. we would um, go and create these epic adventures on Saturdays with my kids. And you know, it became more than Saturdays, right? It became a lifestyle and intentionality that I brought to everything that I did, including my marriage and, and my work life, but also in my daily interactions with my children. And it changed everything, Sonny. And so 
Um, three and a half years ago, I was asked to give a TEDx on the topic of fatherhood. And I spoke about fatherlessness and this impact in our country or this epidemic in our country, rather, around the lack of a biological father in the home, but also a father who may be physically present, but emotionally absent. And so my kids and affectionately named it Daddy Saturday at that point. And we had um, created our own little kind of media channel around it. And I said, you know what? I feel like I'm called to do this. This is what my my contribution to not only my family, but the earth is is to be. It's to change the face of fatherhood, to end fatherlessness, and to uh, create a platform that can do that. And Daddy Saturday was born. I, I absolutely love that. And I have so, uh, as a working mom, have so valued your content and your contribution. As I, as I said, I follow you on LinkedIn. And it's been things that I've even shared ideas with my kids. Uh, I was just telling them as I was preparing for this about the jars that you put out with the with the pebbles on them and that you take one out each Saturday and how real and meaningful and visual that is. Where did you get that idea from? Yeah, I don't remember, right? It was one of those R&D ideas. I ripped off ripped it off from somewhere and deployed it in my own family. But you know, I think we took it to the next level and I actually built it into our Alexa skill. And so you can now ask Alexa and say, you know, how many through the Daddy Saturday skill, how many days do my kids have left in the home? And based upon their birth date, um, she'll project that. Because here's the thing, Sonny, every child has just over 900 weeks in the home. And so it's just over 900 Daddy Saturdays, right, that you can have with your kids. And time goes so fast. And you get to the point where your child's nine years old. And I think that was the big awakening for me. And my daughter, Hayden Olivia, when she was nine, I'm like, you're halfway out of the home, right? That's that's unbelievable to think about at nine years old, but it puts that kind of um, mortality on the, the kid's time in the home. And it yeah. makes you start to think about it in that capacity and, and just, it increases intentionality. And so, you know, it was a, a visual reminder of a of a real um, a real experience with our kids in terms of time frame and timeline. And just another way that, that we could be intentional. And it became a, a family tradition where we take a pebble out of the jar every week together. Right. And it was a symbol of, hey, what happened this week? Was it a building week or was it a breaking week? Do we move forward or do we move backwards? And what can we do differently next week to make that different? Well, that's great. You're serving many others because it's something that we're talking about in our household as well. And my kids, my kids love that kind of stuff. I've always been intrigued by others who have reached an incredible amount of success and are incredibly busy as well. What does your morning routine look like? How do you use your time so that it serves you, it serves your family, it serves the mission that you're on? Well, I think you intuitively tied the two together. And I believe that my morning routine is one of the reasons why I am successful. And I believe it's the reason why a lot of other people are also successful because uh, they start their day in a way that allows them to run their day instead of their day running them. Um, they engage in their own investment in themselves and therefore, they're able to then go and pour themselves out into others, into their business, into their family as the day goes on and goes forward. Um, I think if you're not filling your cup up first thing, then you don't have enough to pour out to other people. Um, and so that for me is is my refilling of my cup every single morning. Um, my routine specifically is first thing I wake up, I drink 12 ounces of water. I take some vitamins. I then uh, engage in time of reading my Bible and devotion and prayer. Uh, so connect spiritually with you know my Heavenly Father. I then... Uh, exercise and get my Spartan workout in. I also then um, go through a um, my morning breakfast routine. I make a, the same smoothie pretty much every single morning, um, and you know it's a, I'm very much routine and habit and ritualized. And during that time, the kids are waking up. I'm typically making breakfast for the kids and engaging them first thing in the morning. Um, and at that point, right, I've spiritually, emotionally, 
physically, mentally, it recharged myself. And now I'm ready to go conquer my day. And I've made that invest in myself. And it's, it's a huge, huge blessing and huge benefit. That's yeah, that's a really big deal. Uh, and to be able to set the tone of your day like that, not only for yourself, but for your family as well, gets everybody's day started off well. How do you manage to balance? I imagine you have a lot of competing priorities. How do you manage to balance all of those things without, you know, one of those coming up shorter or feeling off kilter? So great question. And, you know, I, I would remove the word balance from that because I believe that balance is a myth. I think that it's more about there's tension that always is, is going to exist. And it's more about managing the tension that exists in your life. Like think of the tension between work and home as an example, right? That tension is always there. And at times you're going to get pulled one way or the other. The key is not to get pulled one direction for too long, right? If you get pulled into work too much and become a workaholic and let work overrun your personal life, or your family life, then things start to suffer with your family. If you're always at home and not working, right, then you're not making money and providing you're probably going to get fired or not be successful in your job. So it's about managing that tension at all times and just being self-aware of how you do that. Um, so for me, the way that I've, I've simplified it is I've got four buckets and my buckets are faith, family, fitness, and finances, and they're in that order. And so in my life, I organize my day, my week, my year, and my life plan around those four buckets. And if something doesn't fit into those buckets, then it becomes it's extra, it's entertainment, you know, it's an add-on. And I, I try to only get to it if it's um, you know, down the road. And I also do those things in those order. You heard about my morning routine, right? I'm accomplishing a lot of those first thing in the day. And then therefore, I have time for the rest of the things that don't fit in those buckets later on. Uh, you mentioned it a little bit earlier as you wake up uh, and, and read the Bible and have that devotional time or time with the Lord. How has your faith been an instrument in your work? Uh, it's everything, um, specifically in my platform, my ministry. I mean, I think it was a gift. Uh, I don't consider myself an expert in fatherhood by any means. My job is to point people to my heavenly father. And, and so you know, I feel like um, my role is to be a steward of the platform that I've been given. And to bless as many people as possible through the platform of Daddy Saturday and trying to end an epidemic across our world. At the same time, um, there are some really tactical and practical principles, whether you're a person of faith or not, that you can grab a hold of. Uh, for example, one of the things I was told years ago, over a decade ago, it was that um, King Solomon, who wrote Proverbs, was the wisest and richest man that ever lived. Right. And so if you're going to take advice from someone, why would you not want to learn from the wisest and wealthiest person that ever lived? And there's been many books written about this um, that you can also dive into. But in the Bible, it's in Proverbs and there's 31 chapters of Proverbs, so 31 days in most months. So it's really easy to read a proverb a day. And it's common sense life advice. And much of it has to do with business and wealth and family and finances and, and just overall success in life. And so I was told if you read a proverb a day, Every day, within two years, you'll be smarter than your parents, your boss, your boss's boss, and most of the people around you. Um, and I wouldn't say that I'm smarter than all those people necessarily, but what I would say is that I've been given this, this gift of wisdom and knowledge and, and the ability to go out and achieve wealth because of reading a simple proverb a day and taking those principles and putting them into practice. So there's lots of elements of my faith um, that have been super beneficial. The other one I would tell you about is I've been able to meet some incredible people who are just um, who are pillars and giants in the faith community. One of those people um, was a guy that I looked up to for a long time. His name is Bob Bodine. Uh, Bob is an incredible. Um, he runs a company that does um, executive placement 
executive recruitment, and he's placed a lot of college uh, coaches, athletic directors, and professional athletes. But he's also written two incredible books. One's called The Power of Who. The other one's called Two Chairs. And Two Chairs is all about um, you sitting down in a chair and you invite God to sit in the other and he shows up and you talk for five minutes a day. One minute's you talking, four minutes is you listening. Um, and I've just had an immense amount of the challenges in life, the tension we talked about, all of the different things that come our way. It, look, it's a hard world that we, that we live in. That has been a release for me in, in a quiet place, in a place of comfort that I can come back to over and over again is my two chairs. And I have Bob to thank for that. The Bible overall is such an instruction book for life and how to navigate it, but specifically Proverbs for so many of the situations we face just amongst the worldly world that we are today. Absolutely. Uh, outwardly, we see a lot of the success, uh, but oftentimes people who are really successful have coaches because they want to continue growing and, and evolving. What, what is something that you still struggle with or that you're still working on getting better at today? Yeah, great question. So first, I want to address the coach's piece. I think this is really important for people to understand is that um, I wish I would have had coaches earlier on in my life. I mean, I had coaches like through sports in high school and college and things, but like in my professional life or coaches in the areas of life that are now my four main buckets. So that's what I have done. Um, I found digital mentors. That's the benefit of social media and technology today, right? Is you can access the most incredible people, their content, even them personally sometimes. Um, through the advent of technology. So I you know, consume the people that are experts or that have a track record of success in the areas that you want to be successful in. Now, being a Christian and a person of faith, I may follow people in the business community that are not Christian. Some of them have very foul mouths, frankly, um, and I don't speak like they speak, but they've got some incredible business principles that they um, espouse that I will listen to and learn from and incorporate in my life. Additionally, um, you know, you find somebody that's a fitness expert or find somebody that's great in finances or find somebody that's, you know, a family expert, a couple in your community that's raised kids that are successful and sit down with them and understand how they, how they built their marriage and how they built their family, right? Super important to have coaches and mentors in each area of your life trying to get better in. Uh, for me personally, I think that um, the biggest area that I need help right now is um, in terms of my, and I have coaches in all these areas. So for me, a lot of it right now is is scaling um, and managing multiple entities at one time. Um, I have a lot of things going on all at once. I'm an entrepreneur. I've got um, you know multiple day jobs and dream jobs and a ministry and all these things going on all at the same time. So for me, a lot of it is how do I manage priorities? How do I balance? How do I surround myself with the right people who can help um, allow me to play my role and my capacity well and and execute on the areas that they can also be an expert in. And so much of my coaching right now is around prioritization and um, executive leadership, vision casting and, and scaling organizations. That's, that's great advice. And I think uh, I think anyone who is of that growth mindset doesn't ever feel like you're done or you're finished or you're there. It's a constant continuation of seeking to grow, seeking to be the student and and growing and evolving as you can. What would be your best advice? You seem to really have this down. What would be your best advice in really sticking to a, a solid routine that you think can, can incorporate in your day-to-day and be able to see outcomes as a result of? Well, I think it starts with beginning with the end in mind. And so I actually look way out and then back up into my daily routine. So I would encourage all of your listeners to sit down and take time and actually write your own obituary. Um, and what do you want people to think about you when you die? What legacy do you want to leave? Um, 
How do you want to attain wealth? And what would you do with that wealth, right? All the different components of that. How do you want your kids to view you? And then once you have that in place, then you can back that all the way up into, okay, and then you break it down into bite-sized chunks. Now, what do I need to do each day that's going to put me on a trajectory, send me in the direction of achieving that legacy that I've now laid out that I want to ultimately leave? And when you do that, right, now your small daily habits, those micro wins can add up to a lifetime of success and an incredible legacy. And so for me, I think habits are um, people oftentimes try to like do too much at once. And how do you eat an elephant? It's one bite at a time. I believe that there's also that thing called keystone habits. There's been a lot of research around this. Charles Duhigg wrote a great book about it, Power of Habit. And so in my life, I try to build keystone habits first. So two or three things that will impact many other things for me. Um, those are, I take a cold shower every day. Um, that cold shower for in the morning is something that uh, I don't want to do every day. I force myself to do it. So I'm overcoming an obstacle. I'm forcing myself to do something I don't want to do, which builds up some grit and resiliency and will translate into other areas of my life, right? Because I've, I've now pushed myself to do that. I have my kids do the same thing. I make my kids climb a hill every day before school in our front yard. And today's heavy day hump day. So they carried a sandbag up and down the hill because they overcame an obstacle. They overcame something difficult. That's a habit that we do as a family. We also talk, communicate, and build a relationship during that time, right? And so small micro win took eight minutes of my time. Yet over the last year, we did it hundreds of times. And now I've seen my kids move forward dramatically because of that. So for me, it's like, okay, what are those keystone habits that are going to translate to other areas of your life? Um, if you wake up and do your devotional and exercise first thing in the morning, then when you get to lunch, are you going to make a better decision about what you eat? Are you going to choose pizza versus salad? Well, you'll probably choose a salad because you'll say, I invested in myself first thing in the morning. Therefore, I'm going to continue to invest in myself the rest of the day. And if you choose to cheat and eat the pizza, you're not going to feel bad about it because you're like, hey, I worked out this morning. I'm just going to work out harder tomorrow, right? Burn off those calories. So I, I'm a big believer in keystone habits, setting a couple of, of micro wins for yourself every single day and being able to check those things off. So you can say, hey, I achieved my three micro goals today, my three micro wins that ladder up to my bigger habits. The last thing I would say about habits is that um, for someone like myself, I'm very disciplined. I'm very routine. That's just part of my personality. So I think it comes easier for me than others. Um, my wife, um, she just doesn't have the same type of, of rigid mentality about habits and rituals like I do. And so for her, it may look differently. Um, and I think that another thing that people get in the, get in the, um, the state of is, so understand what your personality is and how habits apply to you and how you can best be consistent with your habits. I think that's the key I'm trying to say. The second piece of that is if your day gets blown up, like every day does not look like I just laid out for you. Sometimes my mornings get exploded, right? And like it gets messed up. But my habit is I work out every day. That's a habit. That is a, a keystone habit of mine. And so if I didn't get in in the morning, I may do 30 burpees at night before bed because that's the only time I had to get something in. But I still worked out today, right? I still was able to check that off. So therefore, that habit was still accomplished. So the point is, you don't have to do 45 minutes of exercise every day. You can try and be consistent in that because that's a good habit to build. But if it gets blown up, your day's not over. Just get it in. It may be a 30-minute walk or a 15-minute doing jumping jacks in place, right? It can always happen. Yeah. And I think it's it's that commitment. I talked recently in a post about honoring your word with yourself. Because mm. when you let yourself down, it's way easier to let everybody else down. But I love that starting each new day is fresh. Just because one thing blows up doesn't mean everything blows up. doesn't cancel everything out. What one piece of 
actionable advice, if you could give to everybody listening, what would you share to become a more intentional parent? What's one piece of advice that people could act on, implement today that they would see a difference in? I would say that, especially for the men listening, but for every parent, um, sacrifice is your superpower. And and so if you think about um, others above yourself, like you got to take care of yourself clearly. So you fill yourself up to pour yourself out. We've already discussed that at length. But then beyond that, it's in turning that focus from yourself to others. So intentionality to me is really just um, being able to, to think ahead and being one step ahead of the situation and what's to come so that you're prepared to engage in that moment in a way that is you're not just walking through the motions. You're not just going through a routine. You know, the, the rhythm of your family is constantly disrupted because you're thinking about how can I make this better? How can I make this bigger? How could I serve that person? And so as a parent, one of the things that I often do is... Um, you control the rhythm of your family. And so with intentionality, it's like, how does, how does breakfast or bedtime or um, family dinner, how do, you, how do you look at that differently through the lens of your, the eyes of your child? How do you look at that in a way where you could say, how do I make this epic, right? And that's our big word. Epic does not have to be extravagant, extreme, expensive. Um, it just has to be intentional. And so family dinner can be mundane, it can be routine, it can be disorganized, or you could do what we do sometimes, which is we pull out table topics and we go around the table, we ask each other these questions and we end up laughing hysterically. And, you know, with four kids, their answers are all over the place. You learn a lot about your kids, but now family dinner time has become an opportunity for um, us to engage the family, have relationship. And it's not just this mundane routine item that we do every day. And so I think intentionality as a parent, what I would say to encourage you is, just take a step back, zoom out every once in a while, examine your daily routine and say, how could I take something as simple as riding in the car or bedtime or dinner time or you know, getting ready for school in the morning or breakfast? And how can I in the morning put on some hype music and just start breaking out a dance party in the middle of the, mo- in the, in the morning while you're getting ready for school? Believe me, it will change the entire environment and the way your kids approach getting ready for school, right? And so there's little things you can do like that that'll just set the mood, set the tone. And it'll show that um, you're there to be intentional in every and all situations. And by being intentional, you will create a momentum for your family that will set you on a trajectory to achieve good kids that become great adults. What are, uh, what are your words of wisdom for keeping a great marriage? Yeah, so I'm going to go, um, I'll go real biblical on this one because I believe it is, it is the, the simple foundation. And that is, you know, God created marriage as a sacred union and within marriage, um, he he says that the husband is to love the wife as Christ loves the church. Um, so that means that we're supposed to love our wives unconditionally. And if that happens, and this is something that's commonly misplaced in, in culture, is then wives are to submit to their husbands, right? So people quickly look at that and they say, oh, women are supposed to submit. That's submissive. That's wrong. It, that's totally out of context. What that says is if, if I'm loving my wife well, I'm loving her right, then what woman wouldn't want to submit to that, right? underneath of that kind of love. And so I believe that's important. And that's that's critical because why? If that doesn't happen, then we get on what's called the crazy cycle. Emerson Egrix wrote this great book called Love and Respect. And that's what happens if we're not operating well um, underneath that type of uh, dynamic, because then the woman does not feel loved in the relationship and the man does not feel respected. And then you go on that crazy cycle around and around until somebody says, I'm sorry, and either shows love or respect and we get back you know, on the right track. Uh, the other thing I would say is um, there's another great book called The Five Love Languages by Dr. Gary Chapman. 
And this is so important for marriages because if you can understand your spouse's love language, then it'll just help the operation of your marriage so much more. My wife is affirmation on physical touch. So by understanding that, right, like I can come in and clean the whole house and do the dishes and have a gift for her and spend time with her and all that matters, right? But not near as much as if I affirm her for being an amazing mom or wife or something she did that day. Like that is how she experiences love. And for me, right, it's physical touch. So if she gives me a hug or squeezes me, like that means a lot to me. And so not that she's going to disregard the fact that I did the dishes, but frankly, it doesn't mean much to her because that's not her love language. And so you might be trying to serve your spouse, but you're serving them in the, in the completely wrong way that doesn't mean anything to them or is not as meaningful as something else, I should say. So those are a couple of quick tips around marriage I think are extremely important. And then the last thing I would say is just um, in your marriage, one plus one should equal three. So the two of you coming together, knowing who you are, whose you are and what you're called to do, and being secure in your identity individually can really help the two of you come together because now when you're secure in that, the two of you added together will equal more than just the two of you alone. And if you do that well, then you know that marriage needs to be secure for your kids to grow up in a healthy environment. The more secure the marriage, the more secure and healthy your kids are. Wonderful advice. Uh, you, you've referenced a lot of books throughout the time we've been talking. And so I'm curious, I too am a huge, huge book nerd and am constantly, I think I probably have three going at, at any given time. What book are you currently reading or one that you would really recommend? So I'll give you both. Um, one that I would recommend, I'll go back to Bob's other book, The Power of Who. I think this is great for the LinkedIn audience, right? It's, it's about the fact that um, we oftentimes look at our affiliations or our acquaintances. We spend a lot of time with them, but yet there's one person in our life that is meant to be in our life that could help us accomplish everything we were meant to accomplish. We just have to identify and cultivate that relationship with that one person. And then beyond that person, there's three and then there's 12, right? There's 16 people in our inner circle who can really help us accomplish everything that we were meant to accomplish in life. And oftentimes they're already there in our circle. We just need to engage them proactively. And then we have a lot of acquaintances beyond that. So I love that book. It has been one of the biggest tools that I've used within LinkedIn to create my who, to find my who and to bring those people into my life. And it's meant more to me relationally and from a business capacity than in any other book that I've ever read. And, you know, I have a, I say this humbly, but I have been given an incredible network and met the most amazing people. And I've had conversations and have relationship with very unique people. Some of them I met on LinkedIn and, you know, they've come to my house or we are now great friends and it's all through the power of who and using those principles. So that'd be one that I would recommend. Um, well, then I'm currently reading. Um, I'm actually rereading it right now. It's, it's sitting in front of me. It's um, Outwitting the Devil by Napoleon Hill. So Napoleon Hill, people are very familiar with Thinking Grow Rich. Um, you know, what an incredible business book. I'd also recommend that. But this book, um, Napoleon sits down and has a conversation with the devil. And it wasn't published for 70 years because his family was so afraid of, of the content of the book and what was supposedly would happen to their family if it was released. Uh, but finally, Sharon Lecter convinced the family to release it, share with some narrative around it. And it is like a, a descriptor for what's happening in our society and our culture today. And so the reason why it's super powerful is it's if you were to be attacked by the devil in this case, how would how would Satan take you out? Sonny, how would Satan take you out, take you away from your game? And that's what we call drifting is what he calls drifting oftentimes. So super powerful book for today's day and age and all that we're going through as a society. 
That's great. I uh, actually recall hearing about that. I think it was on the Ed Milet podcast and he had referenced that book. And so uh, now that it's come into my, into my space twice, I need to make sure to get it. So I appreciate you sharing that. Uh, also, I think another great opportunity to mention your book, Daddy Saturday, that uh, people can get on Amazon. Uh, is it available on your website as well? Yeah, it's available everywhere books are sold. And I appreciate you mentioning that. And I'll just say for Daddy Saturday, it was meant to be a, a very practical field manual for fatherhood based on a not a not a theory. I'm not a PhD, right? I'm not an academic. I'm a dad who's in the middle of the fight, who's trying to do it just like you are. And much of it is my my experience and my failures and what I learned along the way as a young father and how I've helped set my kids on a different path. Yeah. And I think not just for dads, right? I, uh, I look forward to reading that as well. I think for, for any parents who really want to be more intentional with their children, our whole idea, right? The whole job that I think God gives us is to uh, raise those we've been blessed to have up to be great humans, to be able to continue doing good works. Absolutely. And I was going to say, it's the only way you can raise world-changing kids, right? Is to be intentional. If you just put your kids out there and let them, if you're an average parent, then you're going to raise average kids. And that's okay for some people if that's what you want to do. But for those that want to raise world changers, you got to be intentional. Where can our listeners connect with you or find you online? Yeah, great question. So at Justin Bat on LinkedIn, um, that is probably my my most used and my favorite platform. So for those LinkedIners, um, grab me there. I'm very active and I, I will respond and, and reach out if I can be of any help. Um, also at Daddy Saturday on Instagram, at the Daddy Saturday on Facebook. Um, just look for the DS logo and you'll find us there as well. And go Tigers. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen. I hope that you'll stick around. If you liked the podcast, please hit the subscribe button, share the episode, or even leave a review. And in the sage words of Olympic champion, Wilma Rudolph, never underestimate the power of dreams and the influence of the human spirit. We are all the same in this notion. The potential for greatness lives within each of us. Mm-hmm.